break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 19th of July, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. And we got plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the national strike rocking Panama. It's been going on for the past two weeks. But before we get to that very important story, we want to start with how the war profiteers by Congress. We reported to you last week about how the U.S. House of Representatives passed a $839 billion war budget, which is now heading to the reconciliation process between the House and the Senate, where the House will combine their bill with the slightly larger one endorsed by the Senate and come up with a massive compromise bill that will further cement a trajectory towards spending $8 trillion on war and empire over the next decade with no questioning or discussion. Most people are aware that this is not just random. And part of the silencing around these types of bills is really resulting from the largesse thrown around by the military-industrial complex to various politicians. Of course, it's more than that. It's also the way the military-industrial complex spreads out their production facilities in multiple states to gain support from the struggling masses looking for decent work. It's the imperial ideological complex that promotes the reigning idea that the U.S. should control the entire world. But... Campaign donations are also a part of the process, and thankfully, the watchdog group Public Citizen has put together some information that shows just some of who is taking the biggest payoffs, and you might not be surprised how those people are voting for these war budgets. Overall, Public Citizen notes that, quote, the analysis in this report shows that in the current election cycle, the military-industrial complex gave $10.2 million to members of the House and Senate Armed Services Committee prior to their votes this June to increase overall defense spending for fiscal year 23, end quote. They go on to further note that, quote, specifically, House Armed Services Committee members who voted yes to increasing the fiscal year 2023 Pentagon budget by $37.5 billion, that's above what Biden's original $800 billion roughly request was, received a total of $3 million from the defense industry in the 2022 election cycle. Senate Armed Services Committee members who voted yes to increase the Pentagon budget by $45 billion on June 16, 2022, received a total of $7.2 million from the defense industry in the 2022 election cycle, end quote. And Public Citizen also notes that, quote, notably, the average campaign contribution from the military industrial complex to a member of the House or Senate Armed Services Committee who voted yes to increase military spending for fiscal year 23 is more than triple the average campaign contribution from the military-industrial complex to those who voted no, end quote. Jack Reed, Democratic senator from Rhode Island, who is the chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee, just to give you one example, has in the 2022 election cycle received $822,757 from the military-industrial complex. 
He's actually second in the Senate Armed Services Committee to the ranking member of that same committee, Republican Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma, who raked in $874,876 in the 2022 election cycle. And neither of them, by the way, are up for re-election this year. So this is just money in the bank. Alabama Representative Mike Rogers, who is the ranking member in the House Armed Services Committee, was the top recipient there, getting $404,525 from the military-industrial complex just in the 2022 election cycle. Overall, Democrats on the Armed Services Committees alone received $4,476,436 and Republicans $5,688,908. This is really not even comprehensive because, well, one, there are other members of Congress, and also these are just public records of regular donations and PAC funding. Who really knows how much is being funneled into super PACs? Although we do know that when South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham ran for re-election back in 2016... The $3 million that was poured into his super PAC halfway through the race, it was more after that, had many big checks from military contractors. So beyond just the donations that are easy to track, it's obviously it's a lot more than that. So end of the day, there you have it. If you're in Congress, where fundraising seems to take up more time than legislating, it certainly pays to support the military-industrial complex. For just over two weeks, a huge national strike has been sweeping Panama, obstructing almost all forms of commerce. A huge protest of tens of thousands and highway blockades have brought the nation to a standstill. As the news site People's Dispatch reported, quote, The People United for Life Alliance, a platform that brings together various social movements and trade unions from across diverse sectors, has presented before the national government a list of 32 demands that addresses the grave economic, political, and social crises facing the country. End quote. They go on to further report that, quote, the demands include freezing the price of fuel and basic commodities, a general increase in salaries and pensions, freezing the price of medicines and resolving the lack of medicine supply, greater budget for public education and healthcare sectors, better working conditions in the education and healthcare sectors, too, repairing of schools, hospitals, roads, and other public infrastructure, measures to combat corruption, rejecting the four bilateral U.S. Panama military bases, Policies to support the indigenous communities and ensure the respect of their autonomy and the withdrawal of austerity measures such as a 10% reduction of the state workforce and a voluntary retirement program for public sector employees. And that's just among others. Initially, the Panamanian authorities, controlled by the conservative President Laurentino Cortizo, sought to repress the protests with violent police activity, but... Because this failed to quell the rebellion, Cortizo was forced into negotiations with the protest movement. Those negotiations are ongoing, but late yesterday, a deal was reached to lift the blockade on one of the important highways to facilitate the flow of food to Panama City in particular. And in order to achieve that, President Cortizo was forced to cap gas prices at $3.30 a gallon. Last week, he was not willing to do that, so it gives a sense of the pressure he's under. Something further underscored by a recent poll— that found 94% of the population supported the protests. Where things go from here is less known. The government is seeking to split the opposition by setting up various negotiating tables to try to offer concessions to various sectors, but there has been pushback to that this week from the protest movement itself, and it seems clear that many are planning to remain in the streets, and blockades are still continuing across the country, with many forces saying that they want the price of food and medicines to be brought down via price caps before they lift the various blockades and stop the protest. Panama then seems like a country to watch in the coming weeks as a potential site of major unrest linked to the growing crisis of living standards around the world.
That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 